Hello, and welcome to the ghost train. Tickets, please. Take your seat and enjoy the ride all aboard. <laughs> You're now on board the ghost train. I'm your host, Drew Broda, and welcome to our first show of 2019. If this is your first time taking a ride, here's how it works. I sit down, take calls with individuals, or in this case, a group, and they tell me their ghost stories. I chatted with the Ghost Investigations team straight out of Indiana, PIOT Paranormal. These guys are the real deal. Schuler, lead investigator, along with Nate, Ryan, and Jordan, each have a chance to tell their own story of why they decided ghost hunting was their calling. We talked about an attachment they had to Central State Hospital, seeing a full body apparition, to having a team member possessed. Get ready for a fun, scary, and wild interview with lots of laughs. All right, are you ready? All aboard the ghost train. Next stop, PIOT Paranormal Investigations. Let's do this. Yeah, Drew. Um, you know, for me, it started in 2011 that really changed my spiritual outlook, you know, because as I was saying, um, for years, you know, I'd gone to church and then I kind of stopped going to church because things change. And um, I just never thought about, you know, spiritual stuff or God or angels or anything like that. I mean, I knew about them. I knew they were good. I knew they was bad, but I just never really considered like real life and the spirit life, I guess, you know. Um, but, you know, let's speed up to 2011. That's when things really kind of hit me. And I was in high school at the time, so I still kind of knew about God and all that, but I just, I don't want to say I didn't care. I just didn't have enough initiative to really think about it or, you know, make it important in my life. But to jump yeah. into it, um, when my team and I started for our first year in 2011 into 2012, we had a lot of really weird stuff happen to us at Central State Asylum, which used to be a mental institution. And that was started up in 1848 and closed in 1994. So it had a good 148 years or so of running. And there's a lot of history to it, you know, good, bad, in between. And um, mm -hmm. that first year, Drew, that we were there, dude, um, it, it was just something else. There was a lot of negative stuff that happened. There were times where we provoked it. I mean, hell, there were some times where we would just walk through and not say anything. We weren't even really ready for an investigation yet, but we just started having things happen to us, like poltergeist activity. We'd have uh, batteries and rocks thrown at us. You could hear banging on the pipes, like someone was taking a little rock and tapping on the pipes. Um, Just messing with you guys, eh? Exactly. You know, and at the time, we weren't even really thinking about starting up the investigation, but we would naturally hear this without having any type of thought process. So right. whenever the negative stuff happened, I started thinking about God. I'm like, if there are, if there's invisible stuff around me that can hurt me or scare me, that's negative in my mindset. So. Right. Whether or not God's real, you know, maybe he won't come down and show himself to me, but I'm going to at least believe that there is a higher power that's good because I'd rather have the possibility of something good protecting me than just being around evil and not having any way to fight back, you know? Yeah. It's good to have a good, uh, a good offense is a good defense, right? It sure is. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it for me. Um, you know, jumping into it like that. I mean, I could elaborate more on, you know, negative things happening, but there's just so many stories, man. Um, you know, poltergeist activity, being scratched, and so you're. So I'm just gonna clarify for everyone listening that you're a ghost hunter, and so like, how does that how does that even happen? Like I've always thought, like, oh, that'd be so cool. Like a great great uh, job to have would be ghost hunting. But like, how do you even how do you even start that? Like, how does that even come about? Yeah, for a while, you know, um, I never even thought about being a paranormal investigator or you know a ghost hunter. And it wasn't until the same year of 2011 where I was hanging out with a couple high school friends at the time, uh, junior in high school, you, you know, and I just started getting into ghost adventures. You know, they came out in 2008. I didn't start watching them until about 2010. And, um, you know, they just kind of spiked my interest a little bit on the spirit stuff because I never cared about that really. It's more of like zombies mm -hmm. and monsters under your bed type of stuff. But I started watching that on Discovery Channel with my friends. I'm like, you know what, this would be kind of cool if – if it's real, I mean, could you imagine going to a graveyard or somewhere local that we've lived all of our lives and then go, you go there and there's something there like an invisible force, something you see on TV and it's not yeah. Hollywood. So yeah. after watching that stuff for a while, it just, it, I don't know, it just spiked my interest about seeing if it's Hollywood or not. Mm -hmm. And so, so at this point, how many investigations do you think you've done? 
from 2011 up until now? Two. Uh, yeah, like Ryan said, maybe two. No, no I'm, just, I'm kidding. He's being sarcastic. He's our skeptic yeah. and our, our sarcasm <laughs> comedian. <laughs> you don't believe in it still? Uh-oh, Ryan. I'm sorry, what did you say? Ryan, you don't believe in, in any of this stuff, like, still? Were you on any of the – do you go on the, the, the ghost hunting and uh, investigating with with everyone? Yeah, I just um, I've been with the team for like a couple months, so mm-hmm. um, I'm more of I want to see it from my own eyes to believe yeah. it. And okay. so far, like I haven't had any of the experiences. Um, yeah. We find like some voice recordings and stuff, yeah. which is which is cool. I mean, I you know that's cool to well, me. How do you but, explain like, that? that being but, being a skeptic, how do you explain that like a voice phenomenon like that? I mean that. I mean that. I, I I do believe in the voice stuff. Yeah. Um. I'm more skeptic about. I don't want people to go into it and like you know, think they're gonna see something and say oh like you know there's a, a I see leaves floating around something it must be a ghost right. or something like that. Right. You know okay. I'm the, I mean I'm more aware I might think of something like you know oh it could be the wind or it could be something else like I don't go straight to like it, it's gonna be paranormal. You right. Know, yeah. Right. More so, logical thinking about it, yeah. right? Yeah. Trying to debunk things and and actually figure out what is going on, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. That and that's a good that's a good point of view to have on a team, right? Oh. It is true. Yeah. And honestly, having you know Ryan's skepticism with us on the on the way to an investigation through an investigation, it keeps us level headed. Because let's say myself Absolutely. and Nate, you know, we'll, we'll be kind of freaking out on a uh, light anomaly that we see. And yeah. Ryan's like, well, wait a minute. I know that's what the lore says, but just think about it. Is there a road connected down there? When we came down, did you see that road that was connected there? You know, that could have been a car turning off or something. But, right. you know, it, it helps to have that because you don't want to put up a video or talk before a live audience and say, hey, this is for sure haunted, guys. And then you have another team go out there. They get the same thing as you, but they were able to debunk it as like a car or some type of emergency light going off. Right. So Ryan really does help. (laughs) Logical thinking can save you. It really can. But to answer your question from earlier, Drew, um, from 2011 to 2018 now, I would at least say we've been on 100 to 150 investigations. Some were repeat locations, but we have been all over the state of Indiana for sure. That's awesome. And do you find like going back to a location, things kind of – are a bit more escalated like from the beginning like do do you find the spirits that that might be in these locations almost remember you it can go back and forth um there have been a couple locations where i do feel like there were intelligent entities that could remember us one for sure was central state hospital um another one i would say shoot probably crown hill cemetery that we've been to and possibly the um what was that? The Tunnelton Tunnel, I think. But I, I don't know. Like when a couple of these locations, like the Tunnelton Tunnel, we've had a couple of instances that were the same. So we kind of think maybe it's intelligent, maybe it's residual, and it just happens at a certain time period. But there are also times where when we return to a place like the Tunnelton Tunnel, we get less. So it's kind of weird. You know, it, it can go back and forth. But it's interesting, to say the least, to be able to actually have a graph to judge that, you know. For sure. No. Would- that's that's wild. Um, like, how do you how do you even find a location that that will allow you to investigate? Do they like kind of like look for you, or do you contact them? Like, or does it go both ways? That, that's a fun question, right there, uh, Drew. And I'll kind of let Jordan and Nate elaborate on this one because okay, cool. they help they help me a lot with this because we do private investigations, we do public investigations. And uh, sometimes we do residentials, you know, and what I mean by private is kind of like a uh, property, like an ownership of a business. And then, uh, yeah. And then we have residentials, of course, like homes or apartments. And then publics would be like a a landmark or an abandoned property that's no longer owned. But if it is owned, we always want to get permission. But Jordan and Nate, they really helped me kind of like pinpoint where we should and shouldn't go. So, Nate, if you want to start first and then Jordan can jump in. Um, Usually... When I research a place, I kind of look at multiple sources because some some of the uh, <clears throat> you know haunting blogs that you see will say that you know a place is uh, no trespassing, 
but then if you look somewhere else, it will say that it's, you know, public property. So, you right. know, a lot of times you don't really know. Um, I know like some cemeteries here in Indiana are family owned and are on the property, you know, still where, um, you know, a town was founded. So it's a private, it is private property and we usually won't go. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are pretty mindful on like respecting the fact that, you know, we're going somewhere where, you know, people have mixed opinions about us being there, but we're there for a reason and we're always respectful of that. Um, right. But, you know, it's kind of one of those hit or miss type things. I know in the past, um, before I even became part of the group Schuler and um, the team um, at the time, you know, just kind of went wherever, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Start off like that. Yeah. Renegades, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think, George, have you been anywhere with them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the, that, for the record, too, Drew, myself <laughs> and Jordan, we're the only two remaining investigators from uh, 2011 when it started up. I'm the original founder and lead investigator. And at yeah. the time, Jordan was also a leading investigator, but he's now a promotions manager for a certain reason, which I'll let him get to later on. Yeah, um, but I'm Nathan sure there's Ryan, a good reason for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's got a really good reason. Hopefully, he'll, he'll turn your head a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Nate and Ryan, they're our newest members. So there's four of us right now on the team. But we've had quite a few people come and go, you know, for personal reasons, um, you know, health reasons, maybe moving and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, yeah, there's four of us now, and uh, Jordan's been with me since 2011. But yeah, Seven back to years. back to what uh, Nate was asking you. You know, have you noticed a difference between that stuff, like locations asking permission and not asking permission? Um, like have you ever kinda, been with them? Yeah. In the past, somewhere that you just kind of not really. I don't like the word broken, but. Yeah. Uh, okay. just went yeah. somewhere. <clears throat> I say uh, Crown Hill Cemetery and uh, Central State. Those are the only two places, in all honesty, because me and Schuler, when I used to do investigations back then, you know, him and I, we pretty much just go wherever, you know. I mean, we was, I mean, we was rookies. We was beginning. We was, you know, trying to get interested in the paranormal and whatnot, you know, just trying to see what's out there, and we pretty much just go in there without a consequence, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also juniors in high school, so we weren't really thinking the best. Yeah, we were. And we were watching Ghost Adventures, and we just wanted to get out there and see what it was really like because we didn't know oh, how to really do. We didn't have we we just didn't do our research as much. Uh, we didn't have a website or an Instagram or anything, <laughs> and we weren't just we weren't professionally prepared for something like that. And right. uh, I mean, we had the number, you know, we had the good amount of people that went with us, and we had decent equipment, you know, basic cheap equipment, but it's still decent. But we just mm -hmm. weren't prepared professionally on how to outsource and communicate with people. And uh, over time, you know, we did get permission to go on certain uh, properties like that, like Central State and other cemeteries. But um, we'd also, you know, look into the background of it to see if it was owned or not. And if it's just left in the middle of the woods or, you know, on a trail or something, I mean, that's pretty much public. Oh, but, yeah. But it's nowadays – Nowadays, we'll, we'll contact like the DNR or uh, a groundskeeper or the owners. I mean, it, it's always good to have that courtesy to get permission and to. Yeah, make it's sure very to professional start. too, right? It is. It really is, Drew. Absolutely. It's probably hard. Yeah. I'm sure, like, back like, when you guys started, it was easy, yeah. you know, because I, I think now since it's like so popular to be paranormal, it like, hunting, funny. like, you're going to have people say no, like, you yeah. know, it's, it's private now, like, you can't come, whereas. Earlier, I'm like, so yeah, you guys can come along and do your investigation, but I think now people say no because it keeps coming and coming, asking, asking, yeah. asking. Right. Whether, you know, prior to like, you know, earlier, yeah. somebody might have done some damage to the site or whatever, or now people are asking more money to actually do an investigation where, you know, for us, you know, we don't charge for people, but, yeah. you know, we don't have a lot of money to like go do an investigation for like, $500 just for the night yeah. type of deal. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. You can't just be like bleeding money into it, right? It needs to have, have something come back to you. So when, when you're doing like an investigation on, I guess like a, that someone would have like a restaurant or like a, like a bed and breakfast or something like that. Do you, do you find you're getting called in because staff members are being affected and hurt or is it um, 
just that they want to kind of have the that like stamp of approval that their place is haunted and make it it almost makes it like a sideshow you know what i mean we we know exactly what you mean drew yeah nate and i we were kind of connecting on a couple of places that we've been just this year in 2018 um you know more often at least on my spectrum i feel like it's not so much that they feel that they're threatened it's more or less that they want some type of confirmation that what they believe is happening is actually happening you know because i mean obviously by 2018 everybody knows what paranormal investigating is you know 100 yep. years ago it was taboo you know but now it's it's kind of like the american worldwide international pastime and um it's interesting because there's so many people that are accepting of it, but there is still a good handful that are not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. whether or not it's because they're afraid or they just don't know how to understand it, that's you know between them. But uh, for us, we feel like it's more just so people can get confirmation. Because, yeah, you can watch the TV shows and everything. That's cool. But to actually live through it and deal with it, that's another thing. So to have random people to an extent that you've never met come in and tell you, hey, you're not crazy. That There's really something going on here. That could really make somebody happy, in my opinion. What about you, Nate, with what we've dealt with? I think you had a location or two you want to highlight, right? So we actually recently um, got to investigate the Monroe House, which um, if you... Is that in Indiana? Yes. If you watch uh, Paranormal Lockdown um, or have seen any of those shows, it was featured on there recently, and... um, we went in November, uh, November 16th. That sounds right. Was, I think so. so. Yeah. Like a little, like a month ago. Um, okay. This is very fresh, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, and, you know, of course we were excited to go because of all the, you know, history behind the house. And um, we got to meet the owner. And, uh, you know, when we met him, you know, everything was cool but then as soon as we started going to actual like parts of the house things just seemed to kind of be a little like sh- like showy like he was just trying to you know make it seem like he was you know revved up and something was actually going on like he would open yeah, up he, over. Can, he must be able to read read people by this point right yeah uh, and you're like okay buddy like tone it down here yeah like <laughs> we just were kind of confused because we noticed every time we would go into a room, he'd like peek in through the door and like, it just seemed a little off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you know, we, we were there most of the night and it was, but those are the kind of situations where, you know, we don't, you don't know how it's going to be until you actually go. So it's, uh, it's very, it's just interesting sometimes to, you know, that was really the kind of the moment for me where I need to start, you know, listening and paying attention to people's actions when we meet with people just to see like, you know, are you in this for the money or? That is a good good point that Nate's making, you know, and sometimes it's not just about, you know, confirmation. It's whether or not um, a location's being set up as an amusement or you know, um, some people might just want to mess it's with us. Like every every like little hotel that that I look at on online, yeah. so, like I would say like more than fifty percent of them have a little thing at the bottom that says this place um, could be haunted or is haunted, and there's a ghost of of someone that frequents this area and and yada yada yada. It, it almost yeah. seems like it is like and it, it it just seems like a very marketable thing right now that that people want that kind of adds an attraction to your place it's a sad truth drew i've noticed it and i'm sure the rest of my team here has noticed it too um i I mean if you go back to like you know from 2000 literally 2000 up until 2010 the paranormal it it was starting to be more highlighted people knew about it but people didn't make a a huge profit off of it Mm -hmm. and um it was still kind of fresh for the modern day world it wasn't just ouija boards and in old, uh, you know, eight millimeter cameras or, mm-hmm. you know, right. those old uh, tape recorders, literally tape recorders. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was more high tech. People were starting to understand science and the spirit world, trying to put in logic. 
And, you know, from 2010 on up until now, people have just changed the universe of paranormal activity. It's it's a moneymaker. You said it yourself. You know, yeah. you see it almost on every website, and uh, there's plenty of places you can go into with little signs that say it's haunted. Now, I will say from personal experience, 45% of these places I've been have to some extent been haunted. Maybe not like how they've been said to be haunted, but right. I've noticed something kind of weird. You know, and and then the uh, the other what was that my math is terrible. Is that thirty five percent? I was I don't. I, mean, know. I said forty five percent. I'm terrible. 55. Thank you, fifty five. There it is. See, I'm that's why I'm not a mathematician. I I go for I look for deceased people, not yes. deceased numbers. Fifty five percent of the other time, you know, it's either amusement or people maybe just made up old lore, or some people might have just freaked out one time that they're at a location. And they swear it's haunted, but what it was was some type of animal or, you know, their mind tricked them, you know, the, yeah. the etiometer effect, if you will. Mm -hmm. so. And uh, uh, is, is Nate still there with you? Nate I is. Am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Nate, we, we got uh, – we have one of the stories. Did you want to tell yours and just kind of maybe – it doesn't have to be what got you into it, but like the scariest thing that's ever happened while you've been on uh, an investigation. So I met Stuler and uh, in 2016. It was October, maybe September. Yeah, because there was a uh, event going on yeah. at the downtown so we, library. I work at the downtown library in Indianapolis, okay, uh, which is called Central Library, and it, it's a hundred years old. It just turned a hundred years old, and uh, the there's been a lot of stuff that's happened over the years, so. For the 100th year celebration, one of the things was was to bring, you know, this paranormal group in and uh, do a presentation after um, uh, the investigation. Mm -hmm. And that's how I first met them. So I was able to be there as kind of the, you know, staff member on duty for the night. And um, we didn't really have, the, I guess... Since I've been on the team, I haven't really had anything like super, you know, outstanding happen. <clears throat> but when we were there, um, we did catch a few things that were was interesting. Kind of on the side, there was back in the 60s uh, when the new part part of the building before it was even built, um, there was a uh, uh, elevator shaft that went from the basement level all the way up through like uh what were called the stacks those those are the um where they keep the books mm -hmm. and uh there was in the 60s a custodian that had um hanged himself in the elevator shaft but there really wasn't any like talk about it you didn't see it in any like records or anything like that <clears throat> but we were in that area during the investigation um we heard a knock on on the opposite side of the wall mm -hmm. and then we heard like an old elevator buzz buzzing sound like a freight elevator yeah right? like if you were in an old like apartment building you know the older elevators where if yep. you reach the floor it makes like a like a buzzing yep. sound and yep. we heard, we caught that actually both times because we did a follow-up investigation just this year just yeah um and that was kind of weird because it was like that kind of almost proved like, wow, this was like actually real. And there was no other reason that that noise would have been made. Um, but I haven't really had anything like super, you know, eye opening happen to me thus far. OK, I hope something happens. But 2019. New yeah. Year. <laughs> you wish for. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. It may not be something that you want to see. That yeah, that's up... why I like. I don't know how I'll handle it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the whole thing. What is your mission as a as a team? Do you have like a goal set out to what you want to accomplish with this uh, investigation team? Yeah, Drew, uh, and I think we can agree all together as a team on this one. It's more or less just trying to find the truth on right. every location, every investigation that we do, whether or not we get something, um, whether or not we're able to 
you know, disprove one theory, but it's it's a little bit – it might be a little bit different from what's said, but it's still haunted. It's always about the truth, you know, and we, uh, we just started doing videos last year. And regardless of what location we go to, if we get something or not, we're still going to upload our videos to YouTube and uh, show what we get, you know, because yeah. for the fact – that we're going to different locations and we're we're in the field. We're doing what we do best. Um, it's showing the world that you know not every place is haunted. It yeah. might not be what it's said to be. And if it is haunted, well, cool. There, there's the bonus, you know. <laughs> sure. And, it's and always the truth. Absolutely. And that, some some of the shows you watch on TV and it's like every episode, like four or five different things are going on, and it, you're kind of like, yeah. well, I don't know if that's realistic because. Every place you go to, something happens. So I think that the fact that some of these places you're not finding anything is is actually beneficial to your your credibility. Exactly. Yeah, and that's funny you bring that up too, Drew, because we're all just talking about that same topic before getting on your podcast here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, even if it's a location that has had a lot of activity, it still stands out to us if we don't get anything, you know, or we might get a little bit, but nothing like the other teams. Because it makes you wonder, you know, is it fake? Um, has something changed to where the entities are no longer here? Are they lying dormant because they don't want to come out and interact with us? What is really going on? And while that can be frustrating, you know, maybe a follow-up investigation or two might be able to help validate what we did or did not get, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so your investigation team is Nate, Ryan, yourself, Schuler, and Jordan's just kind of on the outside, right? Yeah, he does our promotions now. Um, he helps with like cards and the social yeah. media and all that fun stuff. Do you ever bring like um, people from outside to come in, like a medium or uh, someone along like more of like that kind of a line, just to give you a different perspective on things? Well, what we actually started doing more often this year, uh, Drew, was bringing on guest investigators, as we call it. Um, Well, as we call them, and uh, some of these people that come on are followers of our team. Some are people that own the location or whatever, but they'll actually interact with us and help us investigate, you know, whether it's to validate their own beliefs or disbeliefs or whether or not it's because they want to learn the the traits of a paranormal investigator. It's, It's really fun to have these guys come on because we have unbiased opinions. And a little add-on is uh, sometimes we do have people that are said to be empaths or psychic mediums. So when they come on, it's really interesting to see what they feel and if we can tie that into something that we may have learned. For sure. And for your gear, what kind of stuff is your team using? Well, some of the gear that we use is still pretty basic, but um, we have high-tech flashlights like 440 lumen LED flashlights. Um, Mm -hmm. We used a couple of different – EVP. And that's something. Can I'm I just? Sorry. I just had a question. It's it's something that I always have noticed on like these paranormal shows. When they go to um, a location, they shut off all the lights. Yeah. Why yeah, do you keep the lights on? Too. Is it like that a ghost is going to feel more comfortable in the dark, or is it just to kind of set the mood of terror already? And sometimes I, I find like, do you use like the infrared to to see? Well, it's, it's kind of weird from my experience, like central state. Let's jump back there. Um, being in the dark, it honest, honestly, Drew, it, it felt like they were more powerful. They were more active in the dark. And when we had our flashlights on, there was still activity. I mean, we would still see things kind of move or door slam, which was still frightening even with light. But yeah. it seemed like they weren't as comfortable until we turned off the lights. And then that's when a whole bunch of, you know, poltergeist activity would happen. Some of my people would be scratched or touched in a way where they felt like a hand on their shoulder. Um, but I, I don't know. Nate was wanting to elaborate on that as well because he does have a, a good side to that. Go ahead, oh. Nate. I mean, I, I think some of it is setting the mood for that investigation, but I also never really thought about it when as soon until you brought it up. For, like, TV shows? Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't really – Yeah. Because it's, like, it makes you think that that's what you have to do in order yeah. – for it to actually work and I don't think that's necessary because I mean people that I work with at the library have stuff happen during the day um when they're in their office and I don't think that it's necessarily a it has to be in the dark because who's to say that that particular spirit or whoever is there wants it to be dark 
mm-hmm. and um you know that's i don't think it necessarily has to be i feel like it just might enhance other people's like fears because you're in the dark you can't see anything and then that kind of just uh escalates everything i don't know yeah. if the spirits feed like if they do feed off of our energy they would definitely feed off that fear for sure yeah yeah uh, okay could- there's such a large percent of people that are afraid of the dark too you know scare itself because you don't know who or what's in the dark you know Mm -hmm. and you're in a yeah you're in a new location that you don't even know really the ins and out of it's one thing to wake up in the dark in your own house but to be somewhere that's that is unknown to you is gonna obviously gonna be worried of the dark and not afraid of the dark that's a good Mm -hmm. point yeah yeah, yeah. when i was little i was afraid But now it's like, because you just don't know what will happen. I mean, yeah. we've been out in the woods before. And yeah. Who's to say there's a werewolf? Know, Indiana cat's gonna come out. <laughs> yeah, we have we have. Oh, you don't know. You said Indiana there's, cat. There, there are definitely uh, dangers <laughs> to investigating, right? Well, <laughs> oh yeah, there's physical dangers. Yeah, Nate and Ryan over here, they're they're having their awesome I mean, uh, chemical powwow. <laughs> I, almost, I, I, mean, we'll oh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. We're up in Canada here, so that's all legal, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, you know, we, I've fallen off train tracks before because, yeah. you know, not from like high above, but like messing around in the dark, thinking that yeah. I was doing something cool, and then all of a sudden I fall off the track and tumble down the rocks. But you know, all part of the job, I guess. Eh? Done. There's a flashlight on you when you're doing that. I don't, you know, it, it was, I was still dark. I was trying to do something. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> you're trying to walk like the the hill, the uh, not hills have eyes, the Silent Hill nurse. Thing. Yeah, and then that was done. Yeah. So yeah, basically you need to be professional on the job. <laughs> hey, <what are> you doing? <laughs> and uh. So um, we can't we can't always be serious, right, Drew? No, oh, absolutely. I think a little bit of humor lightens the mood, takes it a little bit, takes all that uh, the the back pressure off a bit. Thank you. you know, <laughs> it does. It really does. But absolutely. to add in, you know, with like physical dangers, at least in Indiana, you know, we have coyotes and stuff. And who's to say that we're not going to run into a pack of you know uh, rabid, hungry dogs, you know, or or a gigantic yeah. goat demon. Or like I, this I'm child not, said, a gigantic goat, de- goat demon. Yeah. Like what I what I was thinking of, if, if you're in like an abandoned um, location, you don't know if like the, some sometimes the floor might be a bit like not not the safest to walk on, Very or true. or you might be something like I don't know a, a ceiling okay. collapse or something like that. You got to be careful, especially if you're walking around in the pitch black, right? Sure. No, I'm just saying that's why we draw straws to see, to see who goes first. Ah, there you go. No. <laughs> Usually it's Nate, but. <laughs> send, send old Nate up there. He wants to get the experience, right? He's our uh, Aaron from If We Were Ghost Adventures. I guess. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, at least you'd know because I'm probably the heaviest. <laughs> oh my God. And then and uh, hands off the people. Just to, <laughs> no, it would be Jordan though, because Jordan's the lightest. He he doesn't go uh, first. You'd step, at though. least know. <laughs> what parts? Just in the future. Anyways, Drew, um, get any more? Get in any the more future, questions? we're sending Jordan in first, and that's that's final. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Jordan used to go in first, but yeah, he's okay. retired now. He's, he's, he's retired. So Jordan, I want to hear that story. Oh, what made you retire from ghost hunting? Oh, man. <laughs> and me and Shuler and other investigators at the time, we was getting out of Central State. I think we was getting out the, uh, what was it, the women's ward? We were down the women's ward, ward, uh, yeah. women's ward basement. Yeah. yeah. We was okay. getting out the women's ward basement. And I'm not going to lie, I was doing some provoking and whatnot. You know, trying so, to like, well, so when you say that, what are you doing to provoke it? Um, cussing at them. Uh, and what I did too. Like show yourself, to, like don't be a little bitch and, and show your fucking face, stuff like that. Or, <laughs> or like what I said, um, here's my energy, take it. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. also offered his energy. And uh, Oh yeah. But yeah, uh after that I noticed I was shaking and stuff. Um Oh, you're was, probably just adrenaline's just pumping, right? Pretty much, man. And um <laughs> like I noticed I was shaking and whatnot. And I couldn't stop shaking. And I thought it was because it was cold outside because it's fall, obviously. It's going to get cold, you know, 30, 40 degrees, maybe lesser than that. And 
was telling my, you know, I was telling my teammates, um, hey, I feel as if something's wrong with me. And uh, one of them was comforting me. Uh, Shuler was there too. You know, he was making sure I was okay. And mm-hmm. I really don't remember anything after that besides the fact that Shuler was saying that I was kicking, um, spitting, punching, basically carrying on. And keep in mind, I'm one of the most laid-back people. Obviously, I wouldn't do do that unless somebody really made me mad. Um, One thing I do remember, though, is being at this church, um, and I was in Skyler's car, Shula's car, and, um, yeah, that's all I remember. He was saying, Jordan, you got borderline possessed. No kidding. That's that's insane. So you don't remember doing any of this stuff, or is it almost like flash flash images? The only thing I remember is being at the church, and that's pretty much it. And I was, like, extremely tired, too. What happened at the church? What did they do? Did they perform like uh, like safety prayers on you, or do you know what I mean? Like, was there? Did they have to like bring in someone to do an exorcism on you? Well, um, at the time, I don't at the yeah. time with Jordan there, and this is probably stuff you don't remember. You only know it if you know. I tell you about it. Yeah. But there were four of us all together that night. Was there? No, there, there were five of us that night. But um, two. Two of those investigators were uh, kind of new to the team, and it was myself and another investigator that had to physically um, grab Jordan and walk him from the underground basement up out onto the level floor over the field, across the field that separated the church and the uh, mental institution, and finally we got across the street to the church. But uh, mind you, Drew, this is probably like 2 in the morning when this happened, roughly yeah. 2, 2.30 in the morning. So the church was closed, and we didn't actually get inside the church. We just sat Jordan down on the uh, the stairs, the steps to the church. Okay. And the whole time that we were taking him up to the church, he was cussing out, you know, going to the church and f God and you know f this f that. I'm gonna hurt you guys. I'm gonna kill you. We need to go back. To, oh, we need nice. we need to go back to the asylum. We don't belong here. I don't want to be here. I mean, it, he was very volatile. And as you can probably tell just from this first time talking to him, he's a pretty casual, mellow guy. He's oh, been like sure. this. Even seven years ago, he was still like this, you know. And um, we finally sat him down, and we commanded him to sat, to sit down. And we, we no longer was holding him down for the most part. And he sat there. It, it was weird. And uh, we started to pray, you know, me and the other, the other investigator. The other two were down at the bottom of the stairs just kind of watching and you know, in disbelief, like, what the hell's going on? Well, what have I got myself to do? Was it some of their first investigations? Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, I think this was actually... Yeah, I think this was their first time. And to have that happen on your first kind of go at it, that's, that's got to turn you right off, right? Well, they actually came back with us a couple of times, so I do give them kudos for joining us, you know, other times after. And how did? But, like, how did you feel at that moment, seeing, like, one of your buddies, one of your team members... It's almost like they've gone down. You got to help them now. Like, you know, like what was going through your mind? That's exactly what it was, too, Drew. It, it was terrifying because, I mean, you got to remember this is not even a full year. Well, it is a little over a year of doing it, but I mean, we're still amateurs, you know. Yeah. And I've seen stuff like this on Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, but I've never dealt with it in real life. I'm not an exorcist. I'm not yeah. a certified demonologist. So I was terrified, but. I put that in the back of my mind because I thought about Jordan. I'm like, okay, what about Jordan? He's got a family to go back home to. His life has been put in danger because he was wanting to help me get evidence. So I feel a little responsible here, all for evidence. So I put my fear in the back of my mind, and that's when I took control of myself and my emotions. And I just knew I had to get Jordan out of that situation, out of the location. Safest place I could take him was at church. And luckily for us, we had a church right across the street. It's like one of those stereotypical video games or movies, you know. It's like, oh, that's not going to happen. Something bad happens to you, and there's a church right across the street. Well, there really yeah. was. So it was kind of <laughs> convenient. But, um, you know, I put everything in the back of my mind. I just knew I had to help Jordan. And the only way I knew how to do that was to get to somewhere uh, safe. So the safest thing I saw was a church. Safest thing and the best thing I knew to do was to pray because we don't have ghost guns. Uh, we don't, we're not Ghostbusters. I don't think we have that technology yet. But, yeah. Uh, you know, we just prayed, and we literally prayed, Drew, for like 25 minutes, for real. And um, that's when and Jordan found it up. worked. It helped. Yeah, yeah, and it finally it seemed like it worked. And to this day, uh, Jordan still seems pretty normal for the most part. And pretty yeah, cool. yeah, <laughs> so, pretty cool guy. 
So I think it I think it worked out pretty well, but it was 25 minutes that we just kept praying and Jeez, yeah, we came to scary stuff, man. It was. It, it sure was. So just to go circle back, we started talking about all the gear you use, and yep. then we kind of got sidetracked with um, talking about the cameras and the dark and and whatnot. But uh, what else do you use? Do you use like spirit boxes and like am I like all I'm thinking is the same stuff they use on Ghost Adventures. I don't know if you have that kind of uh, budget or or if it's along those lines or what it what it is. Yeah, some of the stuff that we have, the most of the stuff that we have is kind of stereotypical. You know, we have um, digital voice recorders, which uh, we also use spirit boxes, you know, AM, FM radio with a speaker. Yep. And that's Ryan's favorite piece of gear right there because he's had the, the, the most activity from that. You know, regardless if it was an actual entity or not, it just seems like if there's a chance of grabbing something, Ryan feels that would be the most realistic way. And, and it's kind of live, too, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, for sure. It's like a cell phone to the ghost world in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's fine. It's very difficult to to figure out what it's saying the first go around sometimes. And it you got to have it on like like someone recording you listen to it, right? So you can play it back sometimes. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, Nate will come up with a DVR, a digital voice recorder. And as Nate um, is recording that, you know, Ryan might be trying to mess with the spirit box. And if he hears something there – you might get it on the uh, the DVR as an EVP, you know, but if you hear it clear as day through the spirit box, but you go to play back your EVP and you don't hear it, it's like, okay, why didn't we capture that? But we heard it with our barriers, you know? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Eh? So in- interesting things like that can happen, but, uh, you know, digital voice recorders, spirit boxes, um, we have the K2 meters and the Mel meters, you know, we'll run for elect- electronic fields, EMFs. Um, yeah. We there's times where we use dowsing rods, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll use uh, analog gear like that, dowsing rods and uh, compasses, you know, to see. If so the, just just familiarize me with uh, a dowsing rod. Is that where the the rods, um, they I guess, just like go up and down if you ask a question? I'll rods. let Nate go on that one. Go ahead, Nate. Nate. Well, they were actually used back in the day to locate water in the ground. By okay. Farmers. Like minerals too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there are certain uh, certain water minerals in the ground that would, uh, once you crossed that area, the the two uh, rods would actually cross and make an X. Mm. So that's okay. where you knew where to dig. And the idea of using them in the spirit world is that if you cross an energy, which is basically, I mean, everything in the ground uh, holds on to energy. It's kind of like a mag- a magnetism yeah. type kind of, of well, energy. Yeah. Like limestone or something. So, it, but all those things hold like on to energy stone. and electricity. And, you know, if you cross a, you know, an area where there is potentially some sort of energy, it's going to cross. And that, that's a crappy thing, too, about, like, paranormal investigations right now. Even with all this tech, when we say energy, there's not one specific type of energy that we can talk about. You know, it's like, well, we think it's elect- electric, electromagnetic. You know, well, yeah, there's different types of sources that have magnet- magnetism in it, you know, or some type of electric field to it, you know. So we mm-hmm. can't say, you know, for sure my dowsing rods are going off because of limestone. Or my dowsing rods are going off because there's some type of spiritual entity around me with electric energy. I don't know. There's just not enough tech yet to say what they're made of, if they're made of anything. But they are made of something that makes our gear go off or even die sometimes. So that's interesting enough right now. Yeah, I always hear that stuff happening. And that's that's kind of weird. I just don't get that. I guess they're just – they say that they're sucking all the, the energy from these power sources to be yeah. able to use themselves, right? And so that is that mainly everything that you're using? That's primarily what we use. And um, believe it or not, you might judge us on this, Drew. I know some people do, but it's turned out to be quite helpful for us. Uh, yeah. For video recording and photography, we actually use our cell phones. But whenever oh. we're doing like uh, EMF spikes and stuff like that, yeah. we always have our phones in airplane mode because we've had plenty of false readings before where we thought we got something, but it's because of Wi-Fi signals. Ah, so that's, kind of, like, that's, that's a good point. It is, it is, but it's we like to like use it. our phones on that. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's always good to have your phone on you at all times too, just to throw up a recorder or snap a picture or whatever, right? And everyone has them now. It is. Yeah, there's so much in a phone now, you don't just need one camera. I mean, you can do a lot with a camera, you know, if you're running 720 or 1080, you know, 60 FPS. And uh, just recently, you know, uh, away from our cell phones, but we've tried different recording techniques, thanks to Ryan. He's able to get his hands on a old, like early 2000s, late 90s uh, tape recorder with night vision. And also he jumped on a hunting motion sensor recorder. Oh, nice. So we're, we're starting to jump into the night vision world because we never really took on to it because, for one, they're super expensive. You know, yeah. and we're just not made of that right now. But two, we also don't believe that we have to have a night vision pitch black environment, you know, to prove the paranormal's real. So we've tried our best to go around that, get around that, and show that yeah. you can have light and still get something. But now we're starting to test night vision just to kind of go back and forth with it, have both. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah, that's just like the one thing I've always just thought, like, you're not going to get a clear picture in the dark of a ghost. So why would you be shooting in the dark? So I that's totally true. get why you wouldn't do that. But uh, I do get the the aspect that you would want to to kind of immerse yourself in the darkness and get in, get right into it. Just as we're winding down, I have a few other like just random little questions here. Of course. And they're maybe a bit generic, but I I was wondering, like, it might be like one of the oldest ghost hunting tools that there is. And I just did a show um, last week with um, with my brother who was telling me about his Ouija board experience. And I wanted to know, did, do you guys find a use for a Ouija board or would you even recommend using a Ouija board? Or what are your thoughts about using a spirit board? Well, I've collected a couple Ouija boards myself over the years just out of, you know, like hype and interest. Yeah. But uh, Ryan's thought about using Ouija boards a couple times on investigations, but we've not mm-hmm. yet used one. Um, me personally, I feel like it's not the safest method. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, in a way, I guess if you look at it like this, bear with me. If you, in a way, a Ouija board is like an analog version of a spirit box. Mm-hmm. Because a spirit box is just like a Ouija board. It's just you don't need a planchet to show you the words or the letters you're being told the words and the letters and a Ouija board is basically, you know, pen and paper, you know, it's helping you spell out what they want to say. So, I mean, I guess we could, but I've always seen Ouija boards as a danger. I kind of feel like as you saw them growing up and they became like a actual board game, they would, um, I feel like the people have turned it into something bad you know, I don't think that they're necessarily bad because it's not like it's just you're communicating. I don't think that they're I don't think they're designed to be evil or bad, but I do yeah. think that what you might get coming through is has a chance to be evil and bad, and it's almost like yeah. don't open yourself up to that. Um, well, I to think an option, so don't well, use the, a subtle way of not provoking, like you're mm-hmm. asking questions yeah you're not yeah. Being, like demanding you're i don't know it's you can be i feel like just even like growing up you know looking at all the commercials you would see because i remember there would be like a commercial for it mm-hmm. or you'd see it in the store they would just make it, it i don't know people just made it sound worse than what it actually is i don't know i it probably helped with the sales too. It's like don't probably. don't don't buy this. Don't buy this. And then everyone's like, Well, you're telling me not to, but I now I want it, right? So well, I, yeah. and, and they're still selling them. So they are. <laughs> well the oh, way I was like at, at, at I think it's like uh Mattel makes them. I, I picked one up not too long ago. Um yeah. just trying to learn a bit more about them and uh, I was kind of blown away that you just can go to like Toys R Us. Well, I guess you guys don't have Toys R Us anymore, but you can go to the local toy store and um, and pick one up. It's kind of yeah. strange, right? Mm-hmm. You sure can. I kind of see it like a, a Walmart. You know, anybody can walk in and walk out, but you don't know who it is. I have my sister is from the 80s, her original yeah. Ouija board from the 80s. Mm. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Who's that talking? Was that Jordan? I'm uh, trying to get everyone's voice uh, down. Uh, was Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Ryan can uh, throw his voice. He can sound like everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan, did you – I can't – I'm trying to remember now. Did you tell your story yet? Do you have a, a story about uh, an unexplained event that's happened? Or are you I just have, 
skeptic and you don't believe anything that's happened other than the yeah. voice recordings. Yeah, I haven't had any like experiences. Um, I know like when Nate goes into a, a place, he might like have a feeling or, you know, like I, I don't get those. Mm. Um, but yeah, the only things that I've had is with the with the voice box. Because um, with the Monroe house, when, when I was with Schuler upstairs, we didn't record this, which I was pissed about. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, Schuler asked a question, "What do you do? You believe in God?" Yep. And like two seconds later, it was clear as day. It said no. <sighs> It was soon. And I was like, oh, sweet. We, you know, do we get this? And she was like, no. <laughs> oh, you're like, son of a. I, yeah. So then, sh- but Schuler kept asking questions, but the person never, or whatever, never responded back. Yeah. So, uh, it's, yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird. And that's. That was interesting. Yeah. And we did the voice box down in the basement. We didn't get anything. It's just in that one room, we, we finally. Upstairs. Yeah. The upstairs is where we got that. Yeah. Have any of you guys seen a ghost? <laughs> yeah one time though in my whole seven years i'm so disappointed but i have actually seen a ghost it's That's amazing. Uh, drew it was at uh again don't judge me too much everything goes back for me to central state <laughs> yeah no kidding i feel like you got this connection to that place yeah and it's really changed my life drew like everywhere i go i think about central state every there's even been a couple times where i've done something with the team with these guys and it's at a it's a, at a whole new location, or it's not even a uh, paranormal investigation. It might be like some type of public talk event, and right. it goes back to Central State. Somebody might bring it up, or I bring it up, and someone's like, "Oh, that's right," or it, it's crazy. But um, this probably what was this? This was July of 2012, and um, this was a little bit before Jordan's uh, borderline possession. So I guess we say spiritual oppression. but um it was myself jordan and two other investigators at the time and we were cutting through the courtyard of central state and there's i do believe there's like uh seven seven to nine buildings that were still up at the time but we were cutting through the uh the courtyard because we had just recently read that people were attacked and killed and buried out in the courtyard you know over the years and a lot of nasty (laughs) stuff happened and you know of course the uh the dark history that most places have sadly and mm-hmm. we'd never been there before so we decided to try and do a part of this investigation outside instead of going to one of the wards so we did and we were out there you know for a good while um i started talking underneath my breath to the potential spirits that could have been out there in the courtyard and for a while you know half hour you know we didn't get anything and um the four of us were just sitting in one symmetrical line, just crouched down in the middle of this big courtyard at like 10 o'clock at night. And probably 30 to 45 feet away from us, out in the middle of the courtyard, there are, I don't know, maybe five to 10 trees scattered everywhere, you know, kind of looks like a little forest. And then to the right hand side, there's also the same amount of trees scattered, but there's a line of bushes. And um, out of the bushes forms this really misty, super bright white figure. And when I say super bright white, think about a full moon, you know, a a lunar moon. And it's a super bright. Illuminated. Exactly, exactly, Drew. That's a perfect way to put it, man. And um, as it forms, she just – she comes into form as a woman. And I can tell this woman has a white gown. Uh, her hair is jet black. It goes down to her mid-back. I could see her face, but she didn't have details to her face. So I could see where the nose and the eyes and the mouth should have been. Her hair right. covered her ears. But uh, when I saw her eyes, she didn't have eyes. It was just kind of like indents of where they should have been. So that's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. And as she was moving from the bushes to the tree that was in front of the bushes... She right. kept her she kept her arms down to her side. She didn't sway. She didn't move. She also didn't have feet. So she was literally levitating above the ground, floating oh, to the tree. And mm. it probably lasted no more than five to seven seconds. But to me, it felt like a whole minute because yeah, everything around me was, was that, Drew? You're soaking it in. You're like, whoa. Exactly. Dude, this I mean, is what I've been doing this for. It was crazy because I didn't expect anything like this to happen. 
And uh, it just happened out of the blue. I've never seen anything like this in my life besides on TV. But right. um, as far as I know, we weren't on a TV set, you know. And <laughs> as I'm watching this woman go, the only things that was moving in the in the uh, quote-unquote normal speed was the woman and the tree leaves in the background because there was a slight breeze going on, you know, summertime. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two things were moving normal, but everything else was completely slow motion and there was no sound and it wasn't until she hit the tree as soon as she got to the tree she just evaporated into smoke kind of like when someone smokes a cigarette and they blow out the the smoke that's what she did and uh she just evaporated away and as soon as she did my ears popped real loud and everything slowly came back i could hear the wind i could hear my my buddies mumbling i could feel everything. I could feel the wind again. It, it was really weird. And that's, that's that really was, bizarre. Yeah. It, and, uh, out of the, out of the four of us, myself and one of the investigators that was directly to my left, the two of us saw them, uh, saw her, sorry. We two saw her, but Jordan and the other investigator at the time did not. Huh. Did she see you? She did not. She, uh, if she knew about us, she didn't care. She just looked straight. She had a completely weird, unanimated action of walking floating and she just kind of went to the tree and left oh man i'm getting kind of chills from that story that was great yeah drew it, i hope i don't drag it out too much man but when i talk oh, about the paranormal I, I talk for hours like the more details the better to be honest right this is a podcast not a not a tv show so we need as oh, many yeah. details as you can to get the whole vibe of the story you but, know, and the, the best part too, Drew, was um, after a couple minutes of you know getting ourselves back together, we went to that location where we saw her shortly after, no more than like two or three minutes, and uh, we looked in the bushes, we looked around the trees, we looked up in the trees, we looked all over the courtyard, and um, there was absolutely nobody. There was no projector, no animatronics, no animals, nothing. It was just oh, the uh, smoke in the wind. Then yeah, that's exactly what it was, man. <laughs> oh. And a couple years later, um, 2014, 2015, I came to find out that that area where the bushes were, there was Mm -hmm. actually a concrete slab, like a foundation, and there used to be some type of maintenance building out there, but they tore it down. So Mm -hmm. who knows? It could have been a lost love. It could have been some type of attack. It could have been, you know, somebody killed her somewhere else, but they buried her body underneath that maintenance shed. I don't know, but she was connected to that area for sure. Oh, absolutely. Last, like, big, big question is, what is your best piece of uh, evidence that any of you guys have ever come across that you that you have something that you did capture? Jordan, you want to put in a piece real quick from all your adventures before you stopped? Um, remember at Central State that one time, uh, the ceiling, somebody, uh, like somebody, it, it looked as if somebody like kicked through the ceiling, and there was that big old hole in the wall afterwards. That was um, the location Jordan's talking about was a storage room in the basement of the women's ward at Central State. Mm-hmm. I remember and it like it was yesterday. We were we were provoking, especially you. As usual. And and what happened again? It, it looked as if somebody like kicked through the wall, like it caved in. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I don't wow. know. Um, I don't know if we captured that on camera or not. We we actually did. Yeah, Drew. Okay. What what Jordan's talking about was uh, you know how office building they'll have that weird like foamy, uh, cardboard like ceiling. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, okay. You and throw the pencils up and they stick in the ceiling, kind of idea. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> Old uh, X Files Mulder. Yeah, that's right. You get bored when you don't get that evidence, so you might as well throw a pencil up. Evidence is everything. Evidence is everything, Jordan. But Jordan's (laughs) night, he was talking about, uh, after provoking for a while, um, something was thrown up up, up to the ceiling. I don't know what it was, though. It it was like a battery or Mm. or something. I thought it was, um, at first, I thought it was like a dust particle or whatever, but... Something fell down after the ceiling was punched, mm-hmm. but I I was actually recording so the at the ceiling. time. I just want to clarify that it, it's not something from above coming through the ceiling. It's something from where you're standing going up and hitting the ceiling. Yes, a, a, proje- a projectile was thrown upward, hit oh, okay. it, and then it came back down. Got ya. 
and Jordan was right underneath it at the time, and I was recording, and we had like two other investigators, I believe, mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, it was, it was us four. And uh, it was in my uh, camera perspective. I look up at the last second. Like as soon as it happened, I look up, but I didn't get it as the thing hit. Mm-hmm. You just see the dust hit the ceiling, and you could tell that something just hit that ceiling and punctured a hole into it. Like it took a lot of force. And the four of us were all in the same room at the time in like a, a half circle. So we saw each other. And none of us were throwing stuff or pranking each other or being silly. It, it just happened out of the blue. I remember that too, Jordan. Yeah, that gives me cold chills thinking about that. So that that was decent evidence. I just wish I had my camera ready for it, but it just happened last it's, minute, man. It's <laughs> gonna be a one in a million shot if you if you get it right. Cause, I uh, know. Oh yeah. It's all timing. But uh, um, going into this room that was extremely hot, like compared to all the other rooms that we went into, they were cold. But you know which room I'm talking about. You're talking about the recreational room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the storage room that we were in, uh, Drew, if you go through the main two double doors on the left-hand side of the room, it'll take you into a hallway. And the hallway will take you down eventually midway to a rec room that was underground. And this is the room that Jordan's talking about. It got super hot for him, but Mm -hmm. only he felt the heat. And did you end up having, like, uh, scratch marks on your body? Because I've heard that that's what usually happens. You get you get really hot, and then all of a sudden you get these marks on your body. No, but I know objects were being thrown, and they are really being thrown with some serious force. As for scratches and whatnot, I know Schuler he had told me that he had scratches on his back after um, an investigation at Central State. Yeah, something followed me home. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I was going <laughs> to say, like, have you – like, you have such a connection to that place – Something must have followed you home, and if something scratched you, it marked you, and now you definitely have a connection. The thing that happened for that, Drew, I kind of asked for it. I took some souvenirs home from the location, and it followed me home, and uh, what was this? Probably the third or fourth night after I started noticing things happen at my home. I was taking a shower, and my back started to burn after I had you know, put the soap on and I rinsed off, and my back was burning midway in the shower, and I got out, dried off and everything, and I looked in my mirror, and sure enough... I had three scratches down the middle of my back. wasn't super okay. huge or anything, but uh, they were still three scratches going down yeah, my back. Yeah, Mark of the Trinity right there. That's yep. kind of uh, that. That would spook the crap out of me. So I still have um, the picture too, Drew. <laughs> oh yeah, I took the picture. Send it, send it to me, and I'll, I'll post it up when when I post this on um, on Instagram. Okay. I'll post the picture and just kind of give it a bit more credibility. Sounds but, good, man. Uh, last little bit of thing here. So Nate, Ryan, Jordan, and Schuler, you guys are the paranormal investigations and observations team. Um, I, I thank you guys so much for your time. I did see I, I was checking out your website. You guys have a shop. Do you want to tell everyone about your shop where they can get some uh, some swag? Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, we uh, we have a website. You know, you can go to Google, type in PILT Paranormal, and our official website will pop up. Our Facebook, our Instagram. Uh, Google Plus, YouTube, which our YouTube we're still working on. But uh, back to our website, we actually have a little store, and uh, everything that we sell on there, you know, the the profits come back to us for, like, maintenance for the team, gas money and going towards new equipment and gear and potentially to get out of the Indiana State and go to, like, Ohio, Illinois, and, you know, other fun Midwestern towns that we can afford to get to. And Toronto. Oh, hey. man. Yeah, get the hell no, up here. Cool. <laughs> For sure, that'd be wicked. There's yeah. lots of there are lots of very haunted locations in and around the Toronto area, and um, you guys would have a ball up here for sure. Yes, yeah, it's tough to ask, uh, Drew. It, I'm sure there's a lot of history up there up north. Yeah, man. yeah, there's tons of stuff going on up here. Do you guys ever go to? I'm trying to think of Indiana. The only other place I know is um, what is it? Uh, Lafayette. Yeah, yeah, Lafayette, Indiana. Is of Axel Rose. He's the famous man from Indiana. <laughs> that's right yep rock and roll it man <laughs> yes sir but the website looks awesome I, I was checking it out it looks really really cool the piot team you guys you guys were awesome thanks so much for all the entertainment and the great stories and things to think about when when people are thinking about maybe starting up their own investigations team and you you had said if if someone needs to contact you you just hit them up on their website or their instagram and and you guys have twitter or facebook uh, i'm guessing well, we don't have Twitter, but we have uh, Facebook and Instagram and our website, and people Beauty. can either call us or send us a message anonymously if they don't want to be known or anything like that, and yeah. 
Everything we do is free of charge too. We're a nonprofit uh, organization, so that's how we work. Yep. Guys, thanks so much for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. It was great right to find you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having you guys. Us. Have good holidays. Yes. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. Yep, thank All you. Right, you too. too. All right. Cheers, guys. Oh, cheers. See ya. That was the PIOT Paranormal Investigation Team. I had a blast chatting with Schuler and the boys. They're some really nice, laid-back dudes, and they had some really awesome stories of their investigating and some tips on how to get involved in ghost investigating and how to do it safely and properly. Be sure to check out their YouTube channel, PIOT Paranormal. They've got some really cool videos posted. Again, if you are in need of the PIOT team's assistance, don't hesitate to contact them on Instagram at PIOT Paranormal or Facebook PIOT Paranormal or their website www.piotparanormal.com. They are here to help you with any paranormal situation you might be dealing with. Whew, that was a mouthful. All right, now it's the beginning of the new year. What better resolution could you have than letting more people know about the ghost train? So do your friends and family the favor and get them on board the ghost train today. If you'd like to share your paranormal story with me and all the other passengers on board the ghost train, contact us on social media, Instagram, follow at Ghost Train Podcast, Twitter at Ghost Train PC, and Facebook, you can search Ghost Train Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to The Ghost Train wherever you're listening to your podcasts. We're wishing you a scared-filled 2019. Until the next time, good luck sleeping tonight. <laughs>